You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We just put it in the wind column, go to our break, relax a little bit, and uh, move on. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Pistons beat the Mavericks last night, 98-91. Pistons got outscored by 20 in the second half, but they still won because they outscored Dallas by 27 in the first half. That's why Stan Van Gundy is just taking this as a win, not really thinking too deeply about it. It's a win going into the All-Star break, and that's always nice. That's a trap game. That's where teams, and it's for both teams. You'll see some weird results. You'll see some blowouts. You'll see some teams throw in the towel early the night before the All-Star break. And you've been there. You understand. The last day of work before a vacation, late in that afternoon, is your mind always there? Are you always fully focused? No, of course not. No way. Uh, And so the Pistons really could have put the Mavericks away. That's what you would have thought. Hey, the Pistons are up big. The Mavericks, they're done. They're just going to throw in the towel. But no, uh, they came out, they played hard, and they fought back. Uh, It was the Pistons who looked more like uh, they had lost focus and were ready for vacation. But the Pistons were so good early uh, against a not-so-great Mavericks team uh, that it was more than enough to win. And I've, I've said this over and over, but I think it's worth emphasizing. Yes, we're going to dissect how the Pistons play. We're going to see what's going on in games and talk about that and what it means. But this is such a tight playoff race. Every win or loss matters uh, very much for this team. It's not so much about how you're playing and whether that means you're going to win more later or whether you're playing good enough to win or not playing good enough to win. You have to get the wins. It's only the standings that count. It's not how you're playing. And often those things overlap, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes you play well and lose. Sometimes you play poorly and win. That happens, but the important thing for this team is to get those wins because at the end of the year, when you look at those standings, it's just going to be a a game or two that's going to make the difference between making the playoffs or not. In particular, very good last night. Now that we're going to get a little deeper into why the Pistons won, uh, One player who's very good was Reggie Jackson. 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting. A real nice game for him. Maybe a confidence builder. He hasn't been playing well overall. I remember the last game, uh, Stan Van Gundy singled him out as somebody who was playing well. So this is two games in a row now. Uh, This one is a little more clear. The last game, yeah, uh, he had, he passed the ball well. Didn't really shoot well. Uh, Van Gundy was pretty impressed with his defense. Uh, So I think it just took a little closer look. This one is clearly good, clearly one he can feel good about. I'm not necessarily optimistic, though, uh, that this uh, indicates something great going forward. Uh, Of his 12 shots, he only made one in the paint, and that was uh, on a fast-break dunk. Nothing at all in the paint in the half court. He just hasn't shown quite that same burst this year since getting hurt. Uh, Maybe it's the injury. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's how defenses are playing him. He just made a lot of jumpers last night. And those are jumpers he can make uh, and probably jumpers you want him to take. But those are going to come and go. They've gone a little bit too much this year, more than you'd like. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily a sign, though, that, yeah, he's he's back and he's found it. When he's back, he's going to get to the rim. He's going to attack the rim better. He's going to drive better. 
That's not what really happened last night. Uh, so I'm not hugely encouraged, but it was nice that he played well. Maybe he'll feel good, and maybe the Pistons will feel good about him. He's been the biggest name in Pistons trade talks uh, in terms of volume, at least what's been reported, uh, in terms of volume and stature sort of combined on a sliding scale. Yes, as we talked about yesterday, there there was a report by Zach Lowe that the Pistons explored Andre Drummond trades. Drummond a Drummond trade would obviously be so much bigger to send shockwaves through everything that the Pistons are doing. Uh, a Jackson trade would be pretty big, though, and is far more realistic. Not that a Drummond trade is impossible, but a Jackson trade is far more likely. It's still unlikely. Let's make that clear. Like, any player on the Pistons, any single player, is unlikely to be traded. Aaron Baines might be the most likely to be traded uh, because marginal players are often a little more likely to be traded, uh, but a Reggie Jackson trade would be very big. Does this game, does this change it? Uh, this is this was Reggie Jackson's last game before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is during the All-Star break. It's a week from today. It's next Thursday. Does this game change whether Reggie Jackson will be traded? Well, no, the Pistons aren't going to make that decision based on one game. They're going to look at an overall body of work. However, even if that is their intent there is still a subconscious level of how do you feel about Reggie Jackson? And this was a game where you leave the game feeling pretty good about him. No, you're not going to say, well, he's fixed and this is one game and everything's back on track. They're not going to overreact to this one game intentionally, but I think there is going to be a more positive feeling, a more positive vibe as this result. I mean, could you imagine if the Pistons ended up blowing that lead, no matter how good Reggie Jackson felt? or played and how you felt about him, it was going to be a different impression in the all-star break. No, you don't want to base anything on one game, but if they had blown that lead, like it would have been so much easier for Stan Van Gundy to think about, yeah, we've got to blow this up. We've got to change something. This is going a bad way. Get a couple stops at the right moments, score a couple baskets at the right moments. Okay. You're in, you're in business now. So now we go into the trade deadline with a little bit of a different feel for Reggie Jackson. I would downgrade the odds that he gets traded slightly, but he's out there. We're going to be following that the rest of this, this upcoming week. Before we get to the trade deadline, though, of the All-Star game, no Pistons in the All-Star game last this year. Andre Drummond made it last year, not coming back this year. Uh, there was a thought that potentially... He could make it as Kevin Love's injury replacement. Well, that decision was up to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. He went with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and then the report out there now is that Adam Silver picked Carmelo Anthony because Melo was the, the next player up in the coach's vote. Uh, I would presume that it was among Eastern Conference frontcourt players and overall. I didn't really see uh, any guards who at the time of voting would have been up there. Uh, and this is why I said that I thought Drummond had a better chance than he was getting credit for. Does Carmelo Anthony deserve to be an all-star? I mean, it depends what you're looking for in an all-star. Uh, I think most people, probably Silver included, uh, even though he's deferring to the coaches' vote, and I'd include most coaches in this, uh, are looking for who's had the best partial season so far. Who's had that best 50-40 some game sample. And that's not Carmelo Anthony. It's probably not Drummond either, exactly. Uh, but there's also a level of respect for a veteran player. Uh, suddenly, that is Andre Drummond, who's been in the league uh, you know, a few years now. 
more experience, more stature. He was an all-star last year. Carmelo's been an all-star. I would have picked Drummond over Carmelo. I think almost no matter how you slice it, with the exception of career accomplishments and name recognition, I'd pick Drummond over Carmelo. But there would have been several other players in that mix with, with Drummond, guys like Dwight Howard, Bradley Beal, uh, who seemed a little upset that Melo got the nod, and I don't blame him. Because that's the tricky thing about it, is the coaches voted weeks ago. Bradley Beal's been even better since then. Shouldn't Adam Silver take that into account? Drummond, he's sort of been at a similar level throughout the season. He didn't really do anything to help his case lately. Uh, But Beal had to get up to Drummond's level. I think there was a stronger case for uh, Drummond than was commonly made, and I think it was more likely. We'll never know where he would have ranked in that coach's vote. We know Melo was the next one up. Uh, Maybe Drummond was the next one after that. I would not have been surprised just because of his stature in the league. Okay, lastly, uh, because the Pistons just paid, played the Mavericks, uh, let's talk about Yogi Ferrell. Van Gundy was asked about Yogi Ferrell, who went undrafted out of Indiana uh, this year, played in the D-League, eventually got signed by the Mavericks, uh, and just really broke out right when he came into the NBA, had some high-scoring games. The Pistons held him in check. Uh, he had just five points on two of eight shooting. Uh, but he started strong. There was a little bit of a buzz around him. I think a lot of people are always looking now for that next Jeremy Lin and want to have that excitement, want to have that storyline, even when it's not really grounded in reality. But if you're an undrafted guard and have a good game, like people are going to anoint you the next Jeremy Lin. And, and Yogi Ferrell had a nice stretch. He was playing well. Don't want to take anything away from him. He was playing well. I didn't think that was necessarily sustainable. He's an okay player. You know, I would have had him uh, somewhere in the second round, I think. Uh, I didn't build a draft board last year all the way through the second round. I built one uh, to the end of the first round. He didn't make that. wasn't particularly close. Uh, but the talent was beginning to thin out by the end of the first a little bit. I probably would have had him somewhere in the second round. He went undrafted. Ended up going to the Nets. The Nets gave him a partial guarantee, and Stan Van Gundy said, that the Pistons, immediately after the draft, were trying to be the team to give him a partial guarantee to get him into training camp. And what that partial guarantee usually accomplishes, uh, for the player, it's guaranteed money. It's money in your pocket. You just went undrafted. This is going to be some money. Uh, But it comes with a condition. And that condition is usually that if we cut you at the end of training camp, you'll go to our D-League affiliate. The Pistons, or in this case, it was the Nets, any team with a D-League affiliate can assign players who are cut during training camp. And there are certain rules about which players and when, but Farrell was eligible for it. Uh, so he would have gotten this guaranteed money, would have counted against the Pistons cap, no big deal, then gone to the D-League for a D-League salary. This was just meant to supplement the D-League salary because if you don't do this, a player is probably or is at least more likely to go overseas. You can make a lot more money uh, than a D-League salary. So this is just kind of a workaround. Well, the Pistons got outbid by the Nets. Farrell went to Brooklyn, got cut as expected, ended up in Dallas where he had success. And so Van Gundy was talking about all the things he liked about Farrell. He was a four-year player at Indiana. He's quick. He can shoot. He's got all the things you can want except for he's undersized, uh, which is kind of a big deal, especially defensively. I also think Farrell's shooting in his early start was a little bit uh, over his head and is coming back down to earth. Uh, so where am I going with this? 
It's the same thing we talked about yesterday uh, with the report that the Pistons were split between Stanley Johnson and Devin Booker in the draft. I think that's true, given that it was reported now. I do think it's true, though I'm not 100%. I'm a little skeptical. And I do believe Van Gundy when he says that the Pistons really went hard after Yogi Ferrell and just couldn't get him, in, but really did like him as an undrafted free agent. I believe both of those. However, you'd never hear about the, the draft pick that the team almost made that would have been a disaster. You never hear about the undrafted free agent the team tried really hard to sign who fizzled out and never became anything. Teams don't tell those stories. Uh, so Van Gundy, sure, he can talk about almost signing Yogi Ferrell, but you'll never hear him talk about almost signing or trying really hard to sign somebody who never panned out, who never made it, uh, who would have been a, even a waste of a training camp roster spot. All right, that's it for today. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a trade deadline preview show. Get you ready for for all the action that could be coming over the next few days. I think we'll see a little bit of a, a pause here for the All-Star break, uh, but teams will spend this time talking. They'll figure things out. I don't know if there'll be a trade over the weekend, uh, but I expect things to heat up again on Monday, and there could be something over the weekend. Uh, so we'll, we'll have you prepared for what the Pistons are shopping and looking for tomorrow. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.